time for Hollywood. Your online radio. The new online radio that makes you happy. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the show. How's everybody doing out there in the members-only section? You guys rock and roll, man. Also, everybody on our podcast platform, you guys have been really amazing. The numbers are through the roof. As you notice, we've been doing more of the radio podcasting, our roots that we came up in because the other platforms, they just kill us on uh, the censorship. But first, I want to talk, you know, we got some great stuff coming up later in the show, but I wanted to talk about this stupid interview that Chuck the Back Road Homo and Fingers the Freaking Infiltrator Jaunch did the other day. And I have to say, what a load of shit. Okay, load of shit. Let's just put it that way. Here you have one, an infiltrator, a cop, and the other, you got a guy who's only been riding for four years thinking he knows what the biker lifestyle is all about. I think it just burns my ass whenever this guy talks, okay? And, you know, we'll talk about the infiltrator in a second. But this guy's only been riding four years. He goes from lifestyle to lifestyle. His last one was photography. And found out a bunch of interesting stuff about Backroad Homo now. I guess he had an other than honorable discharge. And I think the one thing that really got me was when this finger said well thank you for your service dude really you were other than honorable and you said thank you to that dude i'd be embarrassed to fucking say that's what i got okay you're this guy is so hypocritical and here he is trying to call black dragon out all the time you know what he's weak and the reason why he's weak, he's nothing but, you know what, he is trash in a heartbeat, man. And I'm not talking about Scooter Trash, because that gives Scooter Trash a bad name. What this guy is trying to do is live a lifestyle that he's seen in the movies, or, you know, something that he heard about. That is what he is doing. And people who are actually watching this stuff, I really do feel sorry for you guys, because you must not have a life or you're just looking for a place to fit in. And I think that's one of the things that is really irritating about people. Because this lifestyle used to be a closed-knit type of society. And now we got the people who want to run off an image that, one, they have no ideal about. And two, all they're doing is looking for stature, man. They want to look cool. Biker lifestyle ain't about looking cool, man. What the hell is wrong with you guys? It's something that you live every day. You breathe every day. You know, you wake up wanting to, you know, just embrace the lifestyle. And when you get guys like this freaking back road homo out there talking his crap and he got an audience of only 20,000 people now. Let's see uh, our audience because, you know, he loves to... Uh, you know, gloat about that kind of stuff. Our audience consists of Insane Throttle, where <laughs> an estimated, because we're the number one biker news site on the internet, you can Google us, we'll come up first and everything. Uh, we get a, at least 
least 1.5 million people coming through that site every day. You can look our uh, look us up on uh, a bunch of search engine ranking to Alexa and see where we place globally and as well as nationally. Then we got our YouTube stuff and our Facebook stuff with 50,000 followers right off the bat. And then, of course, our Motorcycle Madhouse podcast on iTunes and Spotify and every major platform out there. So our reach is pretty huge. But to go and let's talk about this back road homo again. Now, many of people will say, well, why are you so concentrated on him? Well, maybe because he's given the shittiest advice to people and it's dangerous. Dangerous in the sense, here is a guy who said, well, I'm against, you know, one percenter clubs and stuff like that. They're criminal. Then you go and listen to his freaking interview with this uh, freaking informant, uh, infiltrator, and it's all turned all of a sudden. You know, this guy cannot get, cannot get his story straight. And it's dangerous listening to a person like that because when you do go on the streets... It is a totally different world out there, okay? Yeah, I know you preach about the Constitution and stuff. That is for our government over the people, okay? That, the streets are much freaking different. It's much different. You live by a code on the streets. And whatever part of society you're in, say it's the biker gang, you got a code that you follow. Now, a lot of people don't like that, but that's just how life is. I'm sorry to tell you that. That's life. So when you got this guy talking smack, well, you got these followers that don't know their ass from, you know, Shine Buddha, if you want to say that. Go out there, they follow his advice, and next thing you know, they're getting freaking dotted eyes, or even worse, you know, God forbid, getting shot because they followed some idiot's advice and they think he knows what he's talking about. That's what these people really think. It's disturbing, to say the least, because how can you send people out there to get hurt? And it's even funnier, this is the same guy who preaches, well, anybody should wear a patch. Same guy who was put on Front Street, did a video about it, and Black Dragon has a video as well, about how the banditos came along and told him to take off his uh, vest because he had a Chicago bottom rocker. And by the way, guys, this guy's not from Chicago. I've said it over and over again. He's from Tinley Park, which is way away from uh, Chicago. I don't care if you uh, have a birth certificate that says you were born in Chicago. That don't mean you grew up there and you're a part of the culture. I don't care if your grandparents are there. That is not you. I don't care if you were visiting once a week or some crap like that. You did not go to school there. You did not grow up there. So Chicago chuck my ass. You know, and that just goes to, yeah, and you know what? A lot of people from Chicago take that as an insult what that guy is. We call it carpet bagging. They want to live off again. They want to live off the notoriety of being from Chicago because, you know what, it, it, Chicago's some hardcore shit over there, man. So these are the type of guys who want to actually live off of that freaking uh, reputation, but they don't want to put in for that reputation. 
So, and another thing that really bugs me, now this guy is always calling himself an outlaw. We did a video on our members only section about this. Dude's not an outlaw, guys. For you guys that are watching, that is not a definition of an outlaw. And an outlaw, sure to hell, don't freaking call the cops when some stuff goes down. He openly calls for people to go to the cops. What kind of, you know what, put aside the outlaw crap, what kind of biker is that, man? I remember when you were a biker, you handed your own business, man. You never freaking went to the cops. I know it's the new age of biking and crap like that. Like I talk about in my book, New Age of Biking and Brotherhood. But that is just common sense. You just don't run to the freaking cops. If you want to get into the lifestyle, you want to act like you're something, then be something. But don't go out there and freaking tell people, go out there and call the cops. You know what? There's a lot of organizations on the street. You do that will get you hurt. So that's just another example of this dude going around running his mouth about stuff he has no idea about. So yeah, the hypocrisy there of this kind of guy talking to an infiltrator. Now let's talk about fingers. Now we did an interview on him and you can actually go on our YouTube channel and see the interview we did because he was talking about how Big Pete, you know, fat boy over at, uh, you know, his new BBS stuff or crap, whatever that is. Uh, he actually wanted to sell his club property to Fingers to get a spot because you see Fingers, he appeared on Gangland and, you know, Fat boy, I guess, thought he had connections where he can get him on or try to sell his life story. His life story ain't nothing but failure and all that crap. You know, this guy had restaurants, he did all kinds of businesses, and they fell flat on their face. And here he is trying to play uh, Vito Corrione or something. You know, that's his whole thing is he thinks he's a gangster. He's no, he's no gangster. He's far from it. It's funny. This guy talks about Melrose Park, where I'm from. And he's always saying, yeah, this, this. Dude didn't have no connections out there, man. Everybody laughed at him. He won't show his face in Melrose Park anywhere on Mannheim Road. He won't show up at Bobby's like he talks about. He won't show up at uh, 19th and Lake Street. He's just another one who is full of shit. But anyway, he tried to sell his stuff two fingers and it was like three years he held on this because he was calling the cops every time he seen another club member so we put him in a position where you know finally we got the patches back to the club where they deserve to go but that just tells you what kind of person he is that he wanted to sell his club stuff and here he was a regional vice president he knew the rules he went after guys that did that kind of stuff he sent out his uh people or whatever friends he had within the club because he's not the best known they call him the last chicago douchebag okay that's one of them shirts that you'll actually see me wearing is the last uh, Chicago deuce bag, you know, a vaginal uh, type of deal. So, Fingers, we interviewed him. He was an infiltrator in one of the main clubs out here. But here he is all of a sudden on YouTube. Now, he thinks, as he talked about in this interview, that he wanted to give his educational experience about motorcycle clubs from a different angle. How in the hell are you going to talk about brotherhood or talk about the true meaning of an MC 
when you were a liar the whole time, man. You were a liar the minute you got in there. Your motives were not freaking pure. You were just there as a cop trying to bring down people. And as you said in the interview, it was only one or two people and it was nothing organized by the club. But here I hear you on, you know, rat, you know, the back road homos interview, and you're talking about, yeah, this happened and that happened. Well, why didn't you say it up front to uh, Insane Throttle when we interviewed you? And I think we know why. It's because you would have got challenged on our show. See, we like challenging people on our interviews, and we're not going to throw softballs at you like back road biker who wants to suck up to you. That way he can uh, get some more views on his channel. You know, I see you took a, a dab uh, or a freaking, uh, how can I say it, a shot at Demon Row TV when he was talking about why bikers uh, like skulls. And you said, well, that's just opinion. That's not how it was. And here's a guy who wants to try to talk about history of the motorcycle clubs being an informant, a cop, an infiltrator. You know what? Put that out of your mind, what this guy was talking about regarding motorcycle club history. He does not know what the hell he is talking about. Nothing. He is giving it to you from a cop's view. Again, his motives weren't clear. So him and uh, Back Road Homo got into uh, talking about this, uh, you know, the history, why the clubs are this way, and why they're gangs or why they're not. You know why they talk like this is because they can't be one. They, you know, especially back road homo. Now, from what I heard is he prospected for two clubs. One was a support club for the Banditos, which he flunked out. He, uh, and then again, Iron Order, who flunked out of the prospect period for Iron Order. Well, according to him, he says, well, it was just not for me. You know, I like riding. They didn't want to ride. Uh, get off that horse shit, man. Really, get off of it. You know, who are you trying to fool, man? You just didn't have what it takes to wear a patch. And this is why, you, you know, if you were so against motorcycle clubs, why did you try to start a club that nobody's hearing from you about anymore? Just to throw the patch on because you say you can. But you also say, well, I am not into the biker rallies. I'm not into doing this and that because you know you're going to get your wig split. You're going to get a couple dotted eyes and get sent home to mommy and you'll cry about it on YouTube. That's why you don't go out. But the reason why you want to throw on your own patch is because you got no balls to do it the right way. You think you know what this lifestyle is all about. And you've only been riding four years. You've never been a part of the club. So shut your damn mouth. You don't know anything, anything about the motorcycle club world or the biker lifestyle. I have to put it out there. You know nothing about it, man. You are, you know what? I can always see a guy like you coming a mile away and the reason i can is you are robotic okay you are taking what you see on tv or uh, this guy with his reading his book crap you know he guy you, you, by the way he thinks he's a philosopher but anyway you're reading these books and you're putting it into that perspective of what other people are telling you what the lifestyle is about 
You know nothing about this lifestyle, man. You've only been riding four years. Four years, and you think you're an expert on what goes on on the streets. You're from Tinley Park, then you move down south. And you should talk about your record uh, openly and honestly, because some of the stuff that we've seen on your record, you're the biggest hypocrite in the world trying to call somebody a criminal. <laughs> Is that why you can only carry around... Uh, you know, black powder uh, guns and stuff. I think it has to do with your record. I, 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 it's just me, man. I, I might be wrong, but uh, from what we've seen, yeah, you're a hypocrite uh, from uh, Jump Street. But anyway, that is what worries me when you know people watch him. But going more into this interview and stuff, you know, it was basically jack me off and jack him off type of interview. They were trying their best. To sell you on motorcycle clubs all they do is steal motorcycles all they do is freaking uh sell dope and why they shouldn't go around taking patches and stuff well this infiltrator should know then why some clubs do that it's because and he knows this to be a fact that clubs don't want to be associated with that kind of stuff because what happens this club over there is being morons, and next thing you know, they're being, uh, you know, charged with stuff, or they're being looked at by the cops because they're the uh, dominant MC, and civilians don't know the damn difference. A patch holder can come out of a building, and what's going to come to mind to a civilian? It depends on what your area and West Coast, East Coast, they're going to think you're a Hell's Angel. Midwest, they're going to think you're an outlaw. Down south, a bandito or a Mongol. That's what these citizens see. They don't see, hey, this ain't any of them, but this guy's wearing a patch, so that must be what he's about. So that's why the one percenters go around, and that's one of the things about protocol. Yes, do I think it's outdated where you're asking permission? Well, yeah, but I still think that you need to go up to them and say, hi, this is who we are, let them know. And, you know, permission or not, that's just, you know, common respect to do. Because if one of your members get out there and do some stuff, they, you know what, before the cops come to you, they're going to go to that one percenter club and ask them, hey, what's going on? They're going to throw heat on him or them because they're the one percenter club and they know that, you know, most of the time, clubs will police themselves because most, you know, legit ones anyway, won't call the cops. <laughs> you have a lot of people now, just like this homo out there that will call the cops at the first sign of trouble. And yeah, they're supposedly, you know, a club that wearing three-piece patches, but they'll run. I remember in the day, nobody would even talk to the cops. I'm talking something went down, no, it never happened, I didn't see nothing, walk away. Nowadays, it's, wow, it's just they're talking out, they're assholes. And we actually did a, a video at, over on uh, the YouTube channel about Iron Legacy. Now, Iron Legacy was born off of uh, Iron Order when Izod, or Lollipop as I call them, freaking got kicked out of this position and a couple months later was kicked out on bad because he was trying to scheme in the background and they just weren't dealing with that the iron order so they kicked him out so what happens next well you know lollipop caused a lot of problems within the mc scene and he was on his own 
So he had a rush to get another MC or so-called MC. We call it a freaking pay-as-you-go type MC. And it was verified through this ex-member because he was spot on because we did a lot of research on what he was saying before we let him on and he was just point blank on with uh, what he was saying. But anyway, what happens is this guy gets uh, together with this guy Playboy and this another guy Cuddles who which is a fucking freak. You know, they give them a patch, their members patches if you send in pictures or video of you having sex with your old lady or your wife, whatever it is. And here's a guy who owns a gentleman's club, but uh, he's handing out, you know what he's doing with them pictures or the videos? He's, e he's either beating the pecker or he's going to use it as blackmail down the line. But again... These are the type of people that listen to Backroad Homo or buy into this law-abiding motorcycle crap. Next thing you know, they're getting blackmailed because they were too stupid to see what these people were up to. Another thing that we found out, and this is never what happens with an MC club, is the trademark and the copyright, whatever you call it, is owned by two members, Playboy and Cuddles. The club don't own their uh, copyright. The club don't own their trademarks. The club don't own anything. Those two own it. And I really like to figure out how that happened. Because that's some moronic shit right there. Plus you got uh, the whole club paying for one chapter's clubhouse. Uh, you know what? That's usually on an individual type of deal. That that happens. So that's pretty out there if you ask me but that's the kind of stuff going on out there and those are the type of people who are actually out there giving people advice again it comes down to people are just wanting they're craving for to be a part of something and that ain't cool man because you're gonna get hurt out there iron legacy and what else we found out in this interview is they're so hardcore into making sure they get the numbers. Well, they're selling their patches. And they got rid of this one guy because he didn't like that, hey, they're doing some shady stuff up at the top, man. They're not letting us know what's going on. They're not giving us the reports that we were supposed to get. We make a vote. They override it. Uh, eyes, uh, Lollipop and these other ones that started this club, well, they can never be kicked out. They never can be put out bad. Because why? It happened in Iron Order, so he had to cover his ass this time and make sure that didn't happen. Yeah, that's what's going on out there. That is the people that are trying to tell others how it's supposed to be. You know, they never prospected for another club. I know Lollipop hasn't, and I know some of those other ones haven't, or they dropped out and thought, okay, well, I know what I'm talking about. I didn't like the way they were doing it, so I'm going to go out and do my thing. Those are the type of people that are going to get you guys hurt, damn it. You guys need to smarten up. The best thing that you can do is to be independent, and you sure the hell don't want to listen to a guy like Fingers Johns, an infiltrator, or you don't want to listen to a back road homo, you don't want to listen to a lollipop, that's going to do nothing but make you look, uh, how can I say it, it's going to make you look small, and it's going to make you look weak, it's going to make you look ignorant, 
to the real people that are in MCs and, you know what, independent bikers in general. It's going to make you look weak and it's going to make you look like a joke. And myself, you know, what I'm going to ask you is, why would you want that type of reputation? Because you wanted to do it the easy way. You didn't want to put in the work to get what the patch was because you thought you were better than everybody else. Do you know why a lot of protocol happens? It happens because others put in the work and they're not going to tolerate seeing somebody just throw on a patch thinking they're all that. They're not going to do it. And you know what? You really can't blame them for thinking that. Here's guys that are going through six months, the two years for a prospect period. They went through all the 3 a.m. calls. They ran 100 miles for a freaking Pepsi for a member. They took their freaking notches and they, you know, they worked their way through the process. You know, think about uh, prospect and is basically boot camp for the military. You're taught, you're learned, they break you down, bring you back up. That way, you know, you don't have the club's in image tie, you know, uh, I get like this. So you don't have the tarnishment to the club. Why would anybody want their club colors tarnished because some idiots don't know what the hell they're doing? That's what the prospect period's all about. Because, again, motorcycle clubs live by a code. It has nothing to do with the Constitution. None of that stuff. It has to do about living up to a code. And that's what these type of people do not understand. They're weak human beings, if you ask me. They're just weak because they don't want to put in the work. But then they want to go around criticizing or they want to go around calling some of these clubs gangs because why? Because they couldn't make it? Because they think they know better after four years of only being in the club? Uh, the motorcycle scene. Now he'll go around and say, well, I've been riding forever and ever. No, you haven't. Bullshit. You slip up so many times in your videos where you're saying, oh, you know, I, you know, I got this bike. You know, I've only been riding the four. Dude, dude, he slips up and he don't even know it. He'll go around and then challenge the people that are saying, oh, no, they're wrong. I didn't say that. You know, maybe that's why he takes down his videos because he can't keep his shit straight. That's why I think anyway. Don't you guys think? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm not trying to drive tra traffic over to them. I'm just trying to tell people it's dangerous listening to these kind of freaking guys because I don't want to see you hurt, man. You know, my worst enemies I don't want to see hurt. You know, do I wish politics and clubs would stop? Yes, but it's never gonna, man. There's never gonna be a time where they all come to the table, try to work their shit out. That's just not the way bikers are, man. They're alpha males, and they want to do it their way. But I hope doing it their way ain't going to bring down the whole club scene. Because right now, the feds, the government, everybody is, you know, watching them. Just look at the newspapers and look at all that kind of stuff about how they're covered and they don't even give their side of the story out and that's what's even more scarier because they're letting people talk about them the way they are write some bs articles and that's just not going to work out good for the club scene and what that does is you're allowing 
people like Back Road Homo to go out there talk crap. Anybody who's anti-club talk crap. And that's what the citizens see, man. You know, I think uh, I did it and another guy did it where we actually went through the profiles of the people that follow this dude. Half of them don't even have motorcycles. So how are you going to sit there and talk about a lifestyle if you don't even ride? I think that's what is blowing up the lifestyle right now is you got this friction between the guys who put in the work, been around forever, and then you got guys who just get into it just because they bought a Harley. They're going around saying, well, I put this many miles. Dude, you know what? I heard a thing where he says, well, I put on 22,000 miles a year. That really is not damn much. It's not that much, man. I know guys that are doing, they're pulling 30, 40,000 uh, and they're, you know, they're club members. And the reason why they're doing it is because they got to do everything. You know, they got to go to the, they ride everywhere. They got to go down the nationals. They got to go to regionals. They ride the hell out of that bike. And here you got a guy going around saying, well, you know, club members don't ride that much. That's just how ignorant this freaking guy is. He doesn't know because he was never around. But to get on, uh, you know, this guy's dick who was an infiltrator, what kind of honor is that? Oh, I was, okay, you're a cop. If you want to be a cop, be a cop. Don't try to be something you're not. You're not a biker. You're a motorcycle enthusiast. Don't go around there thinking you can give history lessons from your police academy book because the truth is the real deal on the streets is totally opposite of what you're trying to say. Sure, you, you did an infiltration and all that kind of stuff, okay? You knew what you were doing the whole time. You were trying to nab up so-called brothers for your personal advancement. That's why you went on... Uh, Gangland, that's why you're doing a YouTube channel, because you want to stay in the spotlight, feel like you're something. But here's the deal. You're not no longer a cop. So I'd be really careful out there of spouting off. I think somebody like you would understand, hey, stay quiet, stay behind, you know, the shadows there, because there's a lot of people that are pissed off at me right now. You think that just goes away? Again, on the streets. I'm telling you what. If it was a gang, a street gang, you wouldn't be walking around right now. You wouldn't even have been given testimony. But if they knew that you were out on the streets, you're no longer a cop, you fall under citizens' rules, don't matter who you know, who you blow, you'd get your ass took. So you better be lucky that they're an MC club and not a street gang because you would have been gone a long time ago. So I don't know where you get the balls to go off trying to teach people what the club life's about or what a biker's supposed to be about. You're nothing even close. And to have you two guys interviewing with each other, that is a joke. It, it, it was a circus, man. It really was. It was a circus. You guys didn't know what the hell you were talking about. And it made no sense during the whole uh, interview. So, guys, just quit, man. While you're ahead, you're a laughing stock. And I, I actually la laughed uh, about uh, this dude. Yeah, I got a lot of haters more than I thought. You're a damn ex-cop. You're trying to come into a world... That don't look too uh, highly on cops, especially ones that infiltrated a motorcycle club. 
for their advancement benefit. But anyway, that's just my thoughts. Let me know what you guys think, man. Get on the horn and all that good stuff. Let me know what you guys think. And I'll see you on the next segment. If you're looking for up-to-date biker news, then Insane Throttle is the place to be. Daily editorials and news that is dedicated to the biker scene. Come on over and join the number one internet biker news site at HarleyLiberty.com. Hi, this is John with Exit 27, and you're listening to Hollywood on Motorcycle Madhouse. Want to hear more of our music? Head on over to Spotify or iTunes. The number one internet biker radio show is now available on Spotify and all major platforms including iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and more. Don't forget to become a subscriber on any one of these platforms so you can be notified right away when our weekly episode is uploaded so you never miss an episode. Let's go. 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 This is Breaking News. And welcome everyone to this segment. I have to say this is one of the worst freaking articles I've ever seen. It is propaganda to the core as far as law enforcement's concerned. It puts a club in the direct firing line that shouldn't be there. You just got to see this article. Uh, it's by Inforum, and it is written by April. I can't, I'm not going to even give the last name because this is, you know, this is in the crimes and courts uh, section. North Dakota murder suspect was, quote, enforcer for Sons of Silence motorcycle gang FBI says. Now, wait till you hear this, and you'll see exactly why this is nothing more than propaganda. And one of the dangerous things about propaganda is these regular citizens do not understand it's propaganda. Reason why it's really important for clubs to get their side of the story out. Now, this is coming from Fargo. Uh, set in scene for a Warwick, North Dakota man who admitted to killing a woman four years ago on the Spirit Lake Nation has been delayed. But testimony presented Friday, October 18th, revealed possible motives and the defendant's link to what has been dubbed an outlaw motorcycle gang. <sighs> The sentencing turned into an evidentiary hearing as witnesses gave more than five hours of testimony to determine certain facts that led up to the 36-year-old Amanda Stock Inc.'s death on October 12, 2015. Now, do you find it coincidental, this is five years ago now, or four years now, that at the last minute a link to, a, well, a supposed link to the Sons of Silence come out. I don't buy it at all. Billy Joe Herman Forty has pled guilty to second-degree murder in April, and prosecutors will seek life in prison without parole. Well, you know what? That point I agree on. Anybody who kills anybody needs to go to jail for life, or huh, the needle. Anyway, Prosecutors said Herman strangled Inks, put her in a trunk of a car with the help of his then-wife, known 
now known as Crystal Johnson, drove to the bridge, beat her with a shovel, and then dumped her tarp-wrapped body, which was tied to cinder blocks, into the Cheyenne River. Her body was found on February 4th, 2016. More than a dozen of Eng's relatives and friends sat in the courtroom wearing black shirts with red lettering that said Justice for Amanda, or with an illustration of a capital A, a halo above the letter, and angel wings on either side of the A. You know what? I feel bad for the family. I really do. This, you know, dirtbag needs to be put away. But to make a link to the club, uh, you know what? It's coming up. Devil's Lake Detective Susan Swab said Johnson con contacted her in December 2015 asking about immunity and saying Herman possibly killed someone. Johnson later would tell Schwab and other investigators Inks and Johnson entered a house in Devil's Lake where Herman was in the weeks leading up to the death. He told them to wait outside, investigators said. Investigators indicated Herman was going to meet Sons of Silence members at the house. Inks and Johnson waited for a while left for a time and went to a different house where Herman was, according to the FBI agent who testified. FBI agent, okay? They are claiming that they were going to meet the sons over at the house. They waited a while, left for a time. Uh, did they ever show up? That's not in the article, and I'm guessing they didn't show up to the house. It was just thrown out there to save somebody's butt, if you ask me. When they entered the house, Herman said Johnson was, quote, dead and Anks was dreader, investigators said in court. Testimonies from investigators, investigators, four years after this has happened, four years after this has went through the whole damn thing, and now? They're in sentencing? They're going after the sons? Really? Claim he, uh, Herman was an enforcer for the Sons of Silence, a motorcycle club that the U.S. Department of Justice has deemed an outlaw motorcycle gang. It appears uh, Herman was a member of the gang, but he wasn't, doesn't appear, doesn't, I'm sorry, he wasn't a member. Again, he wasn't a member, but he did dirty work for the group, an FBI agent said. This coming from an FBI agent. He wasn't a part of the club, and they're claiming he did dirty work. For one, clubs aren't going to let people outside without a patch do dirty work because you can't trust anybody. Anybody. And it is so funny that these people brought this up. What are, you, what are they doing bringing it up? Shock value? Is that what's happening? Or putting another notch or, or a piece of propaganda out against clubs that they don't like in North Dakota? That's what it sounds like to me. Anyway, Johnson told investigators that Herman said the Sons of Silence threatened to kill their family. Really? This coming from... You know what? That's why you never tell a woman anything. Uh, she was just trying to get out of something and now she's throwing around a motorcycle club because it's shock value. Anyway, 
that Inks knew too much and the only reason Johnson was alive was because they were married and they couldn't be forced to testify against each other. You know what? This happened four years ago and we're just learning now that she divorced him in 2018. Fishy? I think so. Schwab testified that Johnson appeared to be afraid of Herman. He had threatened their child if she didn't come with him when he picked her up from her mother's home in September 2015. Well, if she was scared, why not, uh, you know, you married to this dude until 2018? <laughs> really? And she's talking about threatening her child. You know what? That is such horse crap, man. You know, most of the clubs I know, if they're into that kind of stuff, they don't go after family. They just go after the main source. And this this propaganda stuff, and this Johnson, I guarantee, was trying to save her own ass. Because why the hell are you going to be uh, married to somebody until 2018, three years after everything happened, and now you're just coming out with this story about a supposed connection between this schmuck and the motorcycle club? This is the problem. Citizens don't see it. They take this stuff, you know, right on and form their opinion without knowing the facts. Pure propaganda on this one, man. Johnson is serving 20 years in prison for her part as an accomplice to the murder. Oh, now we find out she's doing 20 years. 20 years, okay? I didn't even see this in the interview earlier, but now it all makes more sense. Now she's trying to throw the sons under the freaking bus because she's trying to work a deal to get out of that 20-year prison sentence, maybe get good time off or some kind of time off. This is, you know, unreal. Herman's attorney, Christopher Lancaster, tried to poke holes in the suggested motive and Johnson's credibility, which she has none. Known as she had been described as a liar by others. I knew it, man. It's, you know, CYA. CYA, but then, you know, somebody like this starts working in conjunction with the FBI, and you know what? They blow this up. They had no proof whatsoever this guy's connection to the SOS. None whatsoever. Herman at times shook his head, especially during the trial, about his alleged connection to the Sons of Silence. Dr. Uh, Mark Copian, who uh, performed the autopsy in Grand Forks, said strangulation in other industries from the shovel likely did cause the death. You know, that's no way to die, man, right there. Determining a cause of death was difficult because of decomposition. The body had been submerged in water for almost four months, but he said drowning could be possibility for a cause of death. Uh, her mother, Denise Stevenson, said she and her daughter would contact each other multiple times a day before September 2015. That's when uh, she came home for a funeral and said she couldn't tell her what was going on, Stevenson said. Stevenson last saw her in October of 2015 when uh, she came home to fix her car. She warned her mother not to text or call her, saying someone might have her phone and be watching who she is contacting, Stevenson said. Okay, well, where's the connection to the club? I don't see it. The messages to Stevenson stopped after October, even after she wished her daughter a Merry Christmas. In January 2016, Stevenson went to the police to report her 
but some told her only the husband could file a report or they couldn't take it because she didn't live in the area. I doubt that. The Norman County Sheriff's Office took the missing report from the family in mid-January 2016 and her vehicle was impounded. Testimony will continue at 10 a.m. Monday and the sentencing should be held after that. Again. Uh, you know what? This I hope they come out and give their side of the story because there's no way what these people are putting out there. You got no proof. But what they do is put it out in the newspaper. That way... They can freaking get public uh, riled up. They can get another notch in their belt where they can get more money for their, you know, investigations and all that type of stuff. This is to me on face value because I look into this stuff and I don't see anything here. Nothing that has a connection to the SOS. And I think this is really a propaganda piece. And the bad thing about it is... <sighs> Clubs need to challenge it. That's all I can say. But anyway, this one's on Inforum.com under the Crime and Court section. Again, this is out of North Dakota. This involved the murder of a woman. And supposedly this dude's connected to the Sons of Silence. And yeah, read for yourself, guys. But Motorcycle Madhouse on Spotify and iTunes Radio. You want to talk about a hit piece. You know, I know we did one on uh, the Sons of Silence the other day where the feds came out and said, well, this guy might have had a connection that they never proved. Well, this one is even worse out of the Associated Press. This is just a total hit piece. Totally hit piece. Okay. Whatever you think of the pagans, uh, this is pretty bad. Here's what I have to say. It is time for you clubs to get out there and get your side of the story out. Listen to what this article out of PIX11 says. Investigators, violent biker gang growing at an alarming rate in New Jersey. Again, this is by the Associated Press. Tread in New Jersey. A violent biker gang that is involved in illegal drug trafficking and considers women to get this, guys. This is coming out of a newspaper. Blow dogs. Is growing in New Jersey at an alarming rate. State investigators said Wednesday at a public hearing. Oh, yeah, we're going to believe the investigators, right? Yeah, huh? I got something coming up. Uh, it talks about a cop. You know, these cops, they're all squeaky clean, right? Yeah, uh-huh. 19 years on the department, he was uh, caught sexually assaulting uh, these people for those 19 years. But anyway, Pagan's Motorcycle Club, or the Pagan's, which now has about 300 members statewide and roughly 900 country ride, has grown from 10 to at least 17 chapters in New Jersey since 2016, and is aiming to become dominant along the East Coast, according to testimony from the State Commission on Investigation. Well, how do they know? Come on. Really? How do they know? 
They're just putting stuff out there to stick. The commission outlined detailed allegations against the gang, including showing surveillance video depicting an attack on a rival gang member at a gas station in full daylight during a more than two-hour public hearing. You know what? I actually did. <laughs> it's funny. If you go, it was a parody story, and it raised a lot of eyebrows. But I put in there until... The clubs get out there and start doing some PR work. The state, the government's going to start turning people against them. And not even two days later after that article was written, look what's happening. They're holding public hearings on this stuff. Investigators said the gang is involved in illegal drug trafficking, particularly of meth, as well as extortion of local businesses. Okay, now they're comparing them to the, you know, the outfit. Quote, it's alarming to see such a drastic change in such a short amount of time, said Commissioner a or Commission Agent Edwin Torres. Three men the commission identified as club members were called as witnesses, but declined to answer questions, citing their first uh, or Fifth Amendment right. Hugo Neves, identified as the club vice president, added that it's not the club policy to engage in criminal activity. Well, rock on, man, claiming the uh, Fifth Amendment. This uh, reminds me of the old uh, Robert Kennedy hearings against uh, the, the Costa Nostra. That's what they're trying to do here. Investigators said the growth coincides with the new national leadership of the club as well as the ability of prospective members to simply pay to join the gang. That is horse crap. They're basically saying the pagans are a mail-in uh, club. That is horse crap. The pagans have been around forever and I guarantee they're not doing something like that. Previously, members were required to go through what could be called a lengthy initiation period that included going on a number of rides with members. See, they can't even get that right. Audio recordings of unidentified witnesses. Oh, we got unidentified witnesses. You know, it's kind of like the, the sources the government uses, but you can't identify them, right? Said to be former members detailed some of the inner workings of the club, specifically that only men could join. Okay, that goes for any club. Uh, and that black people were excluded along with women. They said the group allows Puerto Ricans to join as the club has started chapters on the U.S. island territory. You see how they automatically go to that race card crap? And, you know, in this Me Too society, they're going to throw women in there? Come on. Told you this thing's a hit piece. The witnesses also said that if members were in prison, they could seek out the Aryan Brotherhood for protection while behind bars. Well, you know, they're talking about the A-Beers. Uh, the A-Beers are mostly out of the California system and uh, down in Texas. And it's usually the federal where the true A-B is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. What do you got some, uh, you know, undercover A-beers up on the East Coast that I don't know about? Come on, you know, really. You know, you might have freaking, uh, you know, other white groups, but they ain't the A-B. Ex though excluded, women do play a role carrying information and sometimes drugs for their organization, according to investigators. 
Investigators said they obtained a copy of the group's bylaws, which included a hierarchy chart. At the top were brothers, then members cut off jackets with patches, then their motorcycles, followed by their dogs. Last on the list was women. Asked by Commission Counsel Marion Galida whether women had a place in the hierarchy, an analyst answered in the affirmative. Women are below dogs, commission analyst Nicole McCann said. Uh-oh, we have a women out there talking about it. You know what? You probably only wish you can get a property patch, you broad. At events, women sometimes wear patches that indicate they are property of a particular member, the investigator said. The group has traditionally been concentrated in southern New Jersey, but is expanding north with chapters in Elizabeth and Union County, as well as Bergen County, not far from New York City. The Commission on Investigation is a quasi-law enforcement agency. Here it is, the quasi-law enforcement agency that was established in 68 with the aim of investigating organized crime. It also conducts other investigations, publishes reports, and refers finding to police and prosecutor. I don't care if you like one percenter clubs or not. You cannot sit there with a straight face and say that this article is not a complete hit job. And you cannot sit there and say you're not disturbed with a commission coming out and trying to treat well, this club anyway as organized crime. That is the first step. I wrote it in that parody art article. It was basically the article where it was titled government uh, issues orders to go after all 1% club uh, leaders or something like that. And people were like, no, nah, that can never happen. No, no, that can't ever happen. Well, you know what? You just seen a couple days later, this story coming out and the intensity, the intensity of these law enforcement agencies to go out there and use their partners in the media, fake news by the way, to get people worried about the pagans moving into town. So, the clubs, you better get a PR guy or something like that, because I did talk about that uh, in one of the articles that I did. You know, you remember that thing that went down in Denver? Now, the Iron Order was there and the Mongols. Now, after it happened, every you know, the media was all on the, the side of Iron Order until the Mongols came out and gave a press conference. Then everything switched. The whole narrative switched. They, you know, there was articles coming out that, uh, you know, the cops were in there messing with real outlaw bikers. They totally took them to task. That's what you need to do. Because this kind of stuff is just ridiculous to sit there and take that kind of crap, man. Anyway, let, let me know your uh, thoughts in the comments section below. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Motorcycle Madhouse. Don't forget to go over to Insane Throttle's new YouTube channel and also get your daily dose of biker news every morning at HarleyLiberty.com. If you haven't done so already, go like the new Motorcycle Madhouse Facebook page. And until next week, I'm James Hollywood Machikari. And remember, keep that throttle cracked wide open.